0: humans and the way they interact with technology traveling charity and a little bit more about Japan are just some of the things featured on this the seventh episode of tea time with Elvis I was very lucky to be joined again by another special guest and another good friend of mine Kathy Wang I met Kathy several years ago while she was working in Japan. We hit it off very quickly and became very good friends. Haven't seen much or contacted each other much over the last few years but we've both been busy with different things. So when I was thinking about interesting people I could talk to she popped up and I thought it would be great to catch up and it would be great to record that conversation. It's a very interesting lady and we had a lot to talk about including those things I just mentioned. I'm not always entirely sure exactly what Cathy does. I always joke it's something to do with computers and something technical. Certainly that's it. She explained it basically as uh, incorporating uh, design, with technology and the way humans interact with that technology uh, and designing things around that interaction. I hope I've got that right. She's also one of the founding Partners of the Greenwich Mutual Aid Charitable Service Organization, which looks to help out people in the Greenwich area. Its timing couldn't have been better as it was pretty much founded in the run up to the current pandemic. And she's been extremely busy working with that and it's very admirable. So please have a listen to our conversation. I hope you find it as enjoyable as I did Making it and doing it. So hey Kathy, how's it going?
1: Hi Mike, how are you? Pretty
0: good, thanks. Pretty good. Long time no see.
1: Yeah, it's nice to see your face again, actually.
0: (laughs) Still got the beard, actually. I think the last time you saw me, you you remarked on it. You took a you took a pretty cool photo, I think, of me with the beard and it's a bit more wild given the you know the lockdown and haven't been able to visit any kind of hairdresser or anything, but you know. <laughs> but I think hair, it
1: suits you. Your hair
0: looks good though. It looks like you've had it done.
1: No, it's uh it's called like sleeping very funny on the couch <laughs> and then um you know passing out watching Netflix and waking oh, up with hair okay. flying all over the place. So
0: <laughs> it's it's a good look though. It's a good look. <laughs> and what did you pass out watching?
1: Um I've been binge watching the good doctor which is, um, I, like, I like medical shows, actually. It's by, it's, by the, it's by the same guy who produced House.
2: Okay.
1: Um, so I just like watching medical shows because um, it's, very, it's very repetitive of like, uh-huh. what, what it's actually doing. It's like the storyline is always quite the same and it like, goes on background very easily. So I'm like sort of watching it and watching it.
0: Uh-huh, uh-huh. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. I, uh, I quite enjoyed House, actually. I thought that was, that was quite a good one. It was amazing yeah. how they had to come up with something you know new every every week you know that these poor people would be inflicted with
1: It's never lupus, yeah, yeah that's <laughs> right. as I always say it's never lupus It's never, it's
0: never lupus <laughs> yeah. so Cathy, could you you know tell us a bit about yourself i mean uh, you're from what you're from Canada via Taiwan, is that right?
1: I was born in Taiwan and I moved to Canada when I was twelve and yeah. then I lived in Canada until I was Twenty three, twenty four, and mm-hmm. I moved away, and I've been an expat ever since. So it's been not revealing my age. It's I, no, it's been like I think like twelve, thirteen years now. So yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so I've been living on the road in the last twelve, thirteen years.
0: But you've settled now, so to speak, in in uh, in London, yeah.
1: I live in London now. I live in Greenwich. It's been. I think like four or five years now in mm-hmm. London. Mm-hmm. Um, I wasn't planning on being here for so long, but then I got knocked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's usually what happens, right? You know, it's like I, I came here like, with a job and then um, I met a boy, I met a Cornish boy. Uh-huh. And then I had a, a beautiful daughter. And uh-huh. then now she's almost four, this, she's going to be four this in September.
2: Uh-huh. And,
1: uh, it's very nice.
0: And how she how she dealing with the uh, with the situation? Because I guess she's obviously too young to have started school, so you don't have to do much in the homeschooling front, do you?
1: No, she goes to the, she goes to nursery already. Uh
0: huh. Uh-huh. Going
1: to nursery for quite a while, and um, you forgot all about the age that they go to school in the UK, Mike.
0: <laughs> I thought they they go at five, don't they, to like proper school?
1: But I think there's like reception. She's not even in reception. She's in nursery. I think you can uh-huh. go to she started going to nursery when she was like, I think like one and one, one, one and a half, maybe, I think. So some, some places would take them. So, so as, soon, um, as
0: soon as you could,
1: basically, yeah.
0: you go.
1: <laughs> so she's been going to nursery and then, um you know, she's been going to school for quite a while since she was quite young. And then uh, she, she went to nursery. So she was going to nursery right by my house. She really likes it. She really likes her you know, going to school. She likes playing with her friends. She likes her teachers. Mm-hmm. So now she's, quite she quite misses it actually she really uh-huh. likes going to school so but other than that she's quite okay we've uh, explained to her why she has to be away from people uh-huh. she understands it's like oh if you get close to people we don't want to do that because you might get people sick etc so she actually gets it yeah, um yeah. So, but it just um i think anybody's mental health is suffering is mine because now i have to do homeschool school with a toddler which is um yeah it's lovely, but yeah, that's... <laughs> like definitely tempers my mental health a little bit. <laughs>
0: well, I can imagine, I can imagine. I think, you know, yeah, I probably get confused because here, I don't know, I can't remember when they st- start nursery. Uh, it's, it's much later than in the UK. I think they're only at nursery one, maybe two years before they actually start school here. No. And, you know, mothers here, they have like three, four, maybe even five years maternity leave jeepers yeah. yeah jeepers indeed yeah i mean i think i was talking to someone the other day and we said like you know if you had five kids and you waited yeah. to like the end of your maternity leave you could have 20 years off
1: yeah yeah <laughs> and then there's actually you know in countries like sweden and nordics mm. and um Basically, is that because they get quite a lot of time off, and they can really benefit mm-hmm. a lot of good benefit in the society. It means that they had to set specific rule in so then that I think that there were basically families that maybe immigrants as who moved there, and then that the mother have just been kind of sort of forced, mm-hmm. air quote, forced to um, to actually keep having children because as mm-hmm. they get such good benefit. Um, so then, they have to limit it to to a certain number of children.
0: Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I do different,
1: think different to be had. So.
0: <laughs> I do think one thing that is a bit unfair here is if you are, I don't know whether to say, lucky enough or unlucky enough to have twins, because mm-hmm. it only it only counts as one in terms of your <laughs> in terms of your benefits. I think yeah. So you know.
2: That's so rude. <laughs> That is so rude.
0: Yes, you don't get you don't get any extra time off or anything. It's like, oh. well, right?
2: <laughs> it's horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah definitely. So, um, so what you know? What do you do? What do you do? Because I mean, you you studied um, you studied something to do with computers. Something <laughs>
1: <laughs> something to do with computers. Yeah. My mother, my mother still thinks I make websites. But,
0: um, <laughs> like... well, I knew I knew it wasn't that, but I know it's it was something quite. Um, niche, isn't it? I mean, it, it, to a layman like me, anyway. I don't know.
1: <laughs> so I went to school for something called interaction design and human computer interaction. So in theory, I'm an, I'm a designer. So I design how human interact with the world, and specifically with technology. And yes, I did make website when I was in university. You know, it's like I could I can design a website, I can code a website, and then um, that's how I pay for my university beers. And, um, so I have a basic amount of technical skill, a lot of technical skill, actually. And, um, so I design, I design digital services, basically. Mm-hmm. So in my younger career, it's like, you know, a lot of different things can be designed. It designs as a verb. So in the past, it's like, you know, I have designed, um, e-government solutions, um, you know, government portals to, let's say, well, back in the days, I did a lot of, um, services in a sense, it's like um, like a Netflix kind of streaming video service, a media streaming service. Mm-hmm. So it's not just about the, the look and feel, it's about how you actually connect all of the experiences and what, what do the people actually need. Um, like there's a very common thing that we always say is that you don't want to design something that nobody will use, which is
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh, you see it all the time. There's a stupid app that doesn't do anything or yeah. doesn't fulfill the need. So it's quite a lot of um um putting the customer or the end user at the center of the design process. Mm-hmm. Um throughout the years I mostly work with large corporations, I advise startups sometimes. Um I you know, now it's like after being in the industry for, I don't know, like 15 years, um, I advise large uh, Fortune 500 companies on how to do their. The- they're everything. They're digital in a sense. It's like you know, how do you actually put customer in the center of what you do, and then that it down to how you operate as a company as well. It's a lot, lots of like digital transformation, culture transformation mm-hmm. type of topic. Mm-hmm. So yeah, in in one sense, I'm a consultant. Like uh-huh. in one sense, that's uh-huh. I. Um, but um, I'm a designer.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Okay. And I mean, how do you? <laughs> how? Yeah, but how do you? I mean, it's. It sounds so focused to me that how, you know, when you were at school before you went off to uh, university, how was it that you ended up in something like this? Was it just, um, you know, because I don't know, maybe I was a bit more traditional. So, like, I often yeah. think now that if I had lived if I'd lived life a little bit, I would go back and choose to something uh, choose to study something different because I, I, know, I know what's out there. Well, I don't know, maybe uh, something like, um, I don't know, uh, East Asian studies, you know, because I loved my time in Japan and I I wish I'd learned, you know, about it, you know, academically. But like, you know, you leave school and then you go into studying something like this, or it's just something you started to learn about while you were at (laughs) university, because I'm sure no little kid says, you know, when I grow up, I'm going to be a designer for how humans interact with technology.
1: (laughs) So this is actually a thing I, I always talk about in my, a lot of my talks, so I do a lot of talks, or conference talk, mm-hmm. um, how I start my talk when I introduce myself. So when I was 13 and um, I lived in Vancouver in Canada and there's a telecom, telecom company called Telus and then their marketing campaign, I think even now, um, the slogan is the future is friendly.
2: It's and very it Canadian. <laughs>
1: <laughs> An hour, right? And then it's like cute little animal like floating uh-huh. in the air, you know, but um, at that time, so that was the very beginning of, you know, all the digital services coming together. So that's when telecom companies start offering uh, cable TV, start offering mobile phone, because back in the days, telecom company o- only offers the pipe, right, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the telephones.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, so at the beginning, it's like, you know, once we start switching everything to telus, um, you know, the EPG, which is, you know, like how you navigate your digital TV, um, the billing, the mobile phone, the home phone, uh, until you go to the store, you call them, et cetera. It's, uh, it's all very confusing for my mother. And I was I, always quite technical, like, you know, smart with my technology. So I always handle all of those things. But it was so confusing because it's, like, it's w- early, early days it's, um where you can call... You call a number and then somehow you have to be diverted to another number and um, you have like three different bills and the, the, the whole experience is very disconnected yeah. so my 13 year old self was like this just seems like there's a lot of gaps and a lot of opportunity that is there um so these days we call that customer experience basically which is what i design you know i design customer experience now and to ensure that happens but then when I was 13 I was like wow this is just that there's so much opportunity because that marketing campaign is beautiful and then like you know it translated so well into a physical space but it just did not connect with the end consumer so so I knew that's what I wanted to do when I was 13 and then when I went to university so I was always quite artsy in a way so I actually got into an art school that my Asian parents didn't let me go to. <laughs> I'm not even kidding. Um, it's like one of the top, I think it is the top like art school in Canada called Emily Carr. Um, but then I also got into all the other schools. So then I, I went into a university um, in Victoria uh, as like like in Canada, I think the first year fundamental year is just all the same. And I study some kind of foundation year in the kind of progression to go study commerce or something because that's when I was telling people what I think I want to do in a very blurry sense they said oh I think you need to go to commerce and then I like I think I got like expelled no what do you call it suspect no what is it it's like uh, I basically
0: they kicked you out
1: yeah because I didn't go to class like uh-huh. <laughs> so I got kicked out of school or something um we, we
0: could use the expression that you were asked to leave.
1: I basically didn't meet the requirement to continue because I failed all my classes I ah, okay. class. mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, because I didn't go to class. Yeah. Um, because I, I, wasn't into it. It's like, and then this new school that was starting up and somebody told me about it. and yeah. So when it started, it was called Tech BC and then it got shut down and it got integrated into Simon Fraser university. Mm-hmm. But like I was the second year of the student that enrolled in this program and it was quite an innovative program. And it still exists today. It's a very, very well-structured program now compared to back in the days. But I got a really good education and learned a lot of different things. I was taught to design culture, design architecture, design robots, um, you know, design experiences before we even have the vocabulary to do so. Mm. So I, I always feel really humble until today. It's like I, have, I, have, I feel like I'm still the same person when I was 13, mm. basically. No, I'm still doing the same thing I wanted
0: to do. Well it must be it must be exciting because you know, obviously when you started, because I think we're not that different in age. I think there's like maybe a year between us. I can't can't remember. It's maybe the same. But um I'm 40 this year, by the way, but you don't have to. I'm not 40
1: that. yet. Oh, okay, so maybe
0: I <laughs> almost was, right. um uh but you know. When you, when you start, because I mean, I remember when I was 18, what's that, That's back in 1998, right? And, um, you know, this stuff was still a little bit, how to say, you know, not, not, I don't want to say futuristic or science fiction, but yeah. it, it just seems to me you chose to study kind of the right thing to like grow with the thing that you actually studied yeah you understand what i mean because you know we we didn't even conceive of smartphones back uh, when we were yeah. 18 and yet all this kind of stuff that you've that you you kind of studied at uni the the, the way your career has progressed it's kind of kept pace with you know the, the way technology has has also evolved uh, in in the world
1: uh, yeah and when i started um I've always been a, quite a business-minded person. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I've had my own business throughout the year, um, quite like startups, uh, quite entrepreneurial. It's because um, at the beginning, even even when I first graduated, there was no market, there's no job market for what mm-hmm. I do. And I had to like work very hard to create that job market in a sense and really articulate what I do because mm-hmm. um, it just didn't exist. So throughout my whole career and then even now, it's like a lot of times you still have to explain it. Um, it's a lot better now it's like you know people know you know what 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 kind of design service really is but then um and what design thinking means etc All these are different things but yeah i have to like really fight the way through for the for the industry to happen so um, yeah it's not it's not easy um but it's, it's quite nice because i i think it fits with my personality quite well hmm. i'm i'm always kind of dreaming about all the sci-fi scenarios that could happen. Um, I'm a, <laughs> not futuristic, but I'm just like, I think about all the possible plans of the parallel universes that we can live in. And that's yeah.
0: the romantic
2: notion of it. Basically.
0: Well, I think it's cool that you were able to like marry together the, you know, the artistic side, which is encompassing de- the design with maybe the more kind of technical Scientific, mathematical side that your your you know Asian parents, as you say, <laughs> wanted. So you're kind of able to put the two together and and maybe keep both of you happy.
1: Yeah, and then there's um the, there's a business side. So usually when we do design, we say there's like there's the human side of it. There's the feasibility side, which is technical or something. And then there is um you know the wait, what did I say? <laughs> the human side, the technical side, the business side, basically, uh-huh, like, uh-huh. you know, how that actually come together. Uh-huh. So, yeah.
0: Mm-hmm. And looking through your uh, LinkedIn, I see you actually, I don't know whether it's bad timing for once or bad luck, but you, you, you started a new company in March,
1: 2020. Um. Yeah. So I,
0: good timing no? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, yeah. So I was I was like, working in large consultancy. I've work, always worked in large consultancies. The last place I worked at was Capgemini and I worked at like you know they have a design agency called ID, and so I was there for for quite a while for two two years or so. Um so basically you know doing all the advisory things and leading large programs with uh, large companies. And in December I left my full-time job because um I just I didn't it didn't feel right with me. It feels like um, you're being measured on very much around your commercial performance in a way. And which is, you know, as a business, it's a commercial world, I totally get it. But I think it's that there needs to be a balance of how people are being measured or how people are being treated, because that is one thing I advise my clients about how you transform a culture of an organization. It really does trigger down to so many different levels.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um so I didn't sit well with me in my heart. So then I left my job, and then I was going to take some time to rest, spend time with my family, travel around a little bit. Which I went back to Vancouver for a month, which is lovely. Mm-hmm. And then, um, and then the coronavirus happened, <laughs> which is fine. You know, it's like I, I, think I was just I sort of like figuring out what I wanted to do. So I have set up my own consultancy, basically. I set up my own consultancy called Kaino. Which is um, to start exploring about how you design value system.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I, I'm a I'm a very strong-minded, strong, very opinionated person in a way. But I think the the different way to look at it is I have very strong principles and I have very strong value system. And ever since I had a child as well, it's like it's a topic I have contemplated so much mm-hmm. about how does one's value system actually form? Um, you know how is it. How does it interact with the larger value system that is in the society or in the organization? Mm-hmm. And as a designer, like my ultimate question is how do you actually design a value system? So, um, you know, from the, from the point that I know how to do is from a very organization, uh, corporate point of view, which is uh, something to start, um, my hope is to actually launch um, a social science research um, Either that I have to go take a master's degree myself and, you know, economics maybe, I think, um, or get funding to fund a PhD research. Um, but, you know, as a very startup way of doing things, I just kind of have to start and, and start doing it. And at the same time, because the crisis happened and I'm technical enough, I'm quite resourceful on internet, I know how to use the internet. And I set up um, a mutual aid group. Um, for the borough of greenwich because it didn't exist when i found out about the concept of mutual aid i'm like oh there's you know a lot of other groups that has all the google docs etc online i know how to set it up so i just set it up and
0: you set it up quite i mean really quickly i think because it, <laughs> you know i think we had maybe just start. i think it was even was it even a little bit before you went into lockdown in in in, yeah uh, yeah
1: it was the it was the weekend before so the, I think the lockdown happened on wednesday It, it started on a Friday before mm-hmm. so um, so yeah we started I, I, it's, I just put together the Facebook group and um, I and mean, then I think we got like a thousand people joined the group in less than twenty four hour and then I talked to the the, the leader of the console two days after but by day four we were operationalized because those are very early days in the lockdown it means that people who were already self-isolating who were isolating they didn't have a support system in place so we like in day four we had volunteer taking requests and the volunteer actually going out to deliver the requests so now we have being around for a month or so we have more than a Thousand registered volunteers, I think we have like four thousand members on facebook it 's a fully operationalized volunteer service um, so aside from just fulfilling requests, we actually um, we do community initiatives so we gather regular donations for different organizations we partner up with them to help them deliver. Um, you know, the care packages, we try to take care of the key workers as well, we donate to the hospital, etc. So there there are different ways to help. But the most important thing is that we basically build a a platform per se, that Mm. to bring the community spirit to life. So Mm. that's what I've been doing for the last month, which takes up a lot of time. (laughs) A lot of time.
2: (laughs) Yeah.
0: Um, So obviously, it's, um, you know, you're you're helping people out in this in this time, and you talk about uh, different requests. I mean, do people have to fulfill some kind of criteria to be helped? I mean, what's to stop me just being lazy and and not like to <laughs> to the shops and saying, "Oh yeah, I've run out of whiskey and cigarettes or something." Can you you know? Can you can you bring some over? Or you know, how do you how do you stop any kind of abuse of of such stuff?
1: <laughs> so at the beginning, we built a. So I believe like just like the culture thing I talked about, you know, in in my past career, is that how do you build a cultural transformation and that value is very important. So I believe in building mental models for people to make decisions instead of building rules, which is like, it it sounds very easy and you read it in all the management books, that's what you're supposed to do. But um, I thought that's like, well, in this kind of case, instead of writing a giant rule book, is that we should do a mental model. And then the mental model would be how, um, what would this person do without me?
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, you know, it's like there's nothing they can do or they can manage somehow and how serious is the problem? So then mm-hmm. you basically do your X and Y. And you know, the kind of things, it's like, even if it's a very minor problem, if the person cannot do without you, such as grandma who's like maybe a little bit confused and say, like, oh my gosh, my light bulb just burned out and I uh-huh. think it really need to be changed be- uh-huh. or like it needs to be rewired. Can hey, you get me an electrician? It's not like she can't pay. She yeah. just doesn't understand certain I don't know. So uh, if that, that's called that's a service we call. Let me Google that for you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you know, though, no, I, I could actually do that myself. You got me too. I, I, I had a light bulb burnout, I think about gosh five years ago <laughs> yeah, well i live in a i live in one of these old you know european buildings where like see like i don't know what is it like four this high or something so i can't i can't get there you know? so, there you go
2: i just,
0: I just bought a lamp
1: <laughs> there you go it's a, it's a, that's 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 called design thinking mike that's how you solve problems oh, well, yeah <laughs> Yeah, like we, we our, our volunteer has a script as well. Not not a script, but it's like criteria. We try to establish, you know, how their normal support system goes, et cetera. And we're very lucky because the, the Royal Borough of Greenwich, it's like the, the consult, even though they were about two, three weeks behind the mutual aid movement, they set up really quickly. So, because we were collaborating since day one, it's like they have built up a community hub where they support the poverty food problem, which has become quite. Because um, I, I don't want to use the word serious, but it's like it's 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 just, it's taking a peak in a way. I think it's it's a probably reaches peak of in terms of people don't have money for food. So then the the council, the local government is taking care of that, which means that we it, it offloads quite a lot of things because for quite a while we were mutual aid was actually supplying some emergency supply of food from community donation, and then uh, there will be time. I'm like, do you have do you have fund or do you not have fund like because some people will call and say hey you know can can i have like can you please like go buy some grocery for me i don't really have money you know mm-hmm. we're starving it's like oh well we can put some donation together for you mm-hmm. uh but let me know what you need and then they put together a list as like fanta you know yeah. chocolate I'm like, like, pops. <laughs> like seriously dude like you know it's like so the, the, what was simple again simple mental mental model yeah. beggars can't be choosers
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: exactly so yeah
0: well i was um, wondering if you had actually received any strange requests
1: um some of it i think it's like at the beginning we were getting because we were at the beginning before the console setup was set yeah. up and we were getting everything in the community and i think it's like there was one old man who was I think he should be like self-isolating, but then mm-hmm. sometimes he just doesn't want to. So he just really wants a mask.
2: Mm-hmm. He
1: really, really wants a mask. So that's like, really more on the edge. Um, we've gotten a call of a lady who wants, uh, her husband had been diagnosed of uh, COVID-19 and is being treated at the hospital, but his phone died and she mm-hmm. wants us to run a charger to the hospital because she's self-isolating now as well, obviously. So I'm like, okay, sure. Because like, it's like, what would you do, right, in this kind of situation? Yeah,
0: I mean, I can I can mm-hmm. see that. At first, you might think, oh, that's yeah, a strange you know, request. But, you know, if, they, if they've only got each other, he's in the hospital, it's the only way they can communicate. It's quite it's quite an important thing, that, yeah. And
1: that, that, yeah, yeah. I
0: get that.
1: And um, there will be some people, it's like, I think it's like, when the different food kind of things pop up, um, they become... We saw a lot of edge cases in terms of migrants, um, migrants or asylum seekers who recently got rehomed. Mm-hmm. And sometimes, even if they're supported by a different group, a, a, third, part, a, a third sector group, a community group, um, but then they can move into the borough. But then, because of the crisis, they haven't been able to set up their support system. So they move into a home, like completely empty, basically. Mm-hmm. So then that's why we start gathering our own donation for for the migrant center. So then that, you know, we have like pots and pans, uh, basic toiletry and yeah. stuff like that. And a home and,
0: starter kit.
1: Yeah. And yeah. we didn't like, it's like, I have never been, honestly, it's like I work in private sector. <laughs> um uh, I'm not a... A charitable person, like mm-hmm. and like, I don't donate to charity. And, and it just doesn't work for me in my head. I don't know where the money is going, how it's okay. being spent. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't volunteer. I'm very busy usually. On um, like, so I, I set it up as like thinking it's sort of like setting up a tech startup kind of a way. But um, and once I got into it, I realized how 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 bad some people's lives are, and especially in a crisis that it's like even if they were just unfortunate before now they're really struggling mm-hmm. yeah. um if we have the ability as a community um to be able to help i think that's quite important because as like greenwich is doing quite well as a borough um and doesn't have as many migrants that type of like migrant problems in a sense it's like it catches a lot of migrants um but then they're actually uh, i live by the greenwich university which is like really nice and by the park and I'm like, there are actually other people who but probably I, I thought Greenwich just looked like this. <laughs> I feel very like ignorant, and yeah. it's good, it's good that I don't feel so ignorant anymore. So,
0: and this, uh, Greenwich Mutual Aid, um, what, 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 what do I say, charity organization? You know, it's
1: it's it currently, it's an unincorporated group um, as, as a community group. And then, but now we're actually in the progress of setting it up as a community interest company, which is um sort of like a private company, but with a community interest. And so you're eligible for certain government funding that is for charity, but it's not registered with the charity uh, commission.
2: Basically. So
0: this is, this is, this is obviously something that will um, outlive the coronavirus. And I mean, yes. you see it carrying on, uh, well, without end, hopefully. So.
1: Yes, yes, actually, because um, um, I think it's the people who are involved, like all the volunteers, they're really into it. And then they really want to keep doing it. They they think it's like it's, it's a missing piece that was always in the community, of our community spirit.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, for all the other third sector community groups I work with, um, you know, they think it's like, Th- this is the missing piece in mm-hmm. getting everything working together and we all made a pack in a way in an ecosystem that we're going to want how to build get the console to build a platform per se in a way for mm-hmm. all the different uh, third sectors to be a- and the community to work together going forward because what we've started as a, eco- a very healthy ecosystem it should really live on so um, it's quite cool actually I think it's like in, in terms of how a local government works and how community works together it just it's really really cool so um, i don't come from the third sector background at all at all <laughs> um but I've, I've consulted for government and some, some local government as well so i think it's like it just it, it feels right it sounds right mm-hmm. and i think that's that's as much as i can say about how right it probably is going forward
2: <laughs> you know
0: it is nice to, to hear that this kind of community Uh, spirit does does still exist I mean I I haven't spent much time in the UK over the last few years I think uh, last time I was back was around gosh maybe three years ago yeah because you know my parents are retired it's easier for them to come and visit me and I have no you know huge desire to spend much time in England you know I haven't spent that much of my life there although it is you know where I'm from And, you know, everything you read about with with things like Brexit and attitude towards strangers, foreigners and all this kind of stuff makes you feel like it's become a really kind of cold and unfriendly country. And I guess maybe on the surface it is. I mean, I always felt that London and the south of England was quite unfriendly. I mean, if you compare it to the north um really yeah i think people we are, like the northerners well i think northerners are, are friendlier by and large you know um, and i think yeah it's nice to see that this this uh this spirit of uh, of community is 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 still alive and well uh, at, yeah. time, at least anyway i mean it's obviously sad that we need such organizations in the first place you know yeah. but, uh, that's not taken care of out of you know um
1: it is a crisis, I mean, yeah. it's like we have to be kind to ourselves in like individual level. We have to be kind to the society. It's like it is a crisis. It is supposed to break a little bit.
2: Yeah.
1: I think it's not what what is a unprecedented a pandemic. It's like yeah, you <laughs> get it. But like in my in my work in the last um, when I was like um, in my full time job before, it's like I have I got to travel to very weird places in the uk that i never thought i would go to you know it helps that now my partner is from Cornwall that we go to Cornwall sometimes so and he has some family from birmingham and then that we have come to birmingham to we know, is it birmingham or not in him one of those <laughs> and then <Birmingham>. but, <laughs> well, somewhere in the middle yeah. and then and then you know it's like a very different view to london because as an expat i live in a London bubble it really is a bubble and then the sector I work in as well is very bubble like um but then because of my work I've gone to some weird places so I went to Blackpool I set up a program in Blackpool with DWP which is you know they have government program in the middle of nowhere um went to like like I don't even know where it is it's like Somewhere down the coast in the south, it's like an hour or so away from Brighton type of place where it's like, you know, government building that's set up to support local business in a way. But then it's like, they would set up large centres, like government would set up large centres in remote places. I went to Barrel and Furnace. Uh-huh. You don't <laughs> I don't know where
0: that is. It's up in, uh, it's near Carlisle, isn't it? It's up in Cumber in the, north, in the far northwest of... Uh, yeah,
1: a little nook. Yeah. So yeah, so I've gone to a lot of weird places that people are like, why, why? Like back in the days, it's like, I think in a different job and I was a like very London centric. I go to Slough and I'm like, wow, oh my gosh, where am I? It's just freaking Slough, seriously. <laughs> now, now, now I go to like <laughs> Barrow Inferno. I look up and I have to keep zooming out. It's like, where is it? <laughs> <So I'm, laughs> Like London is not, London operates in a very different way, it's not the rest of the country, um, so yeah, it's, it's nice to see, and then I, I, I can't say that I feel the understanding of this country to the degree that I understand the other country and culture that I have mm. experienced because, because of London, actually, and it's quite weird, it, just, like, it feels very unsettling.
0: Yeah, I think I, I, I get you. I mean, certainly this country, the Czech Republic, it, it suffers from the same syndrome where it's defined pretty much only by its capital city. I mean, okay. nobody knows. I mean, in, in, in many ways, it's worse. At least people have heard of places like Birmingham or Nottingham or <laughs> probably not Barrow and Furnace, maybe, <laughs> but you know, Cornwall, or wherever people know about them. They might not know exactly where they are. But, you know, you take a country, okay, it's much smaller than the UK, but take the Czech Republic and, firstly, they might not actually know where it is or what it is, but the moment you say Prague, they go, oh, yeah, Prague. Yeah, okay, I know it. I went there on, on holiday, you know, with a drunken stag party before. There we- you go.
2: <laughs> that kind of
0: stuff, yeah. And it's, it's a real shame, you know, because, I mean, I didn't know. I mean, I'd never been here before uh, until the day I moved here. I mean, and I live in a really <laughs> small town.
1: What town do
0: you live in? It's called Novi Miesto na Matui. It's in...
1: uh... That's that's a mouthful. (laughs) That's a mouthful. It's
0: kind of like, what is it? It's about two hours from Prague. It's in uh, northeast of Prague. It's on the border with Poland. Uh, Wonderful. Yeah, it's quite nice. It's near some mountains. It's between two mountain ranges. But, you know, it's a beautiful country. It's it's smaller towns and cities have, have so much to offer, yet... Nobody, nobody visits really. You know, it's like let's go to Prague, let's get drunk, yeah, and that's it. But I guess it was the same for you in Estonia when you lived there, because Tallinn, you know, again would have had people usually from Britain going before they get married, getting drunk in the city center and flying (laughs) out again. You know.
1: Yeah, but like when I when I lived in Estonia, it was kind of like I I have like at that time I didn't have a lot of. British exposure, other than you, probably like I yeah, feel hey. like three British. <laughs> I'm like, oh like, god, they're just like this weird Brit, and then they were, remember there were two other weird ones that always talk in a weird, like accent. Now, now I think of it, and like, wait, they're probably from the north or like from Liverpool or something.
2: Yeah, it's probably the north. The
1: yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, they were just like taking a go at us, so, like having put on a really thick accent, and <laughs> but yeah, so like when I left the talent, I didn't, I didn't like notice the Brits as much <laughs> because everybody was just drunk yeah, first yeah. of all and <laughs> um, it was quite nice as uh, we have like a, a very because it's a very small small country mm. and there was a very small expat community there very 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 small just kind of like you know like our days in Japan in Hokkaido it's like such a small community so we knew everybody in town whoever's coming and going sort of kind of know um and then I also had quite a lot of Estonian friends. So I feel I feel very integrated to that culture to be mm. honest. So I feel I, I behave very Estonian to all my Nordic colleagues these days. I, very... I
0: guess you didn't learn the language though.
1: I did. I a little bit. Oh, it's um, So
0: difficult.
1: I can read quite a lot of the menu. I it <laughs> The nice language. It's very pretty. Yeah.
0: It's funny, yeah, because when I asked if you remembered any Japanese, again it came back to food. So
1: <laughs> it's, the, it's the important thing in life right You know.
0: yeah well <laughs> that's, you know that's true though you give me a check menu no problem no problem yeah. you know how's
1: yeah. your how is your check
0: oh god you know um it's hard i, I would say i've got quite an extensive vocabulary yeah. um uh, but it's then putting the, those words into sentences where i fall down because we have quite complicated grammar here i mean um, they have seven individual cases and they change the endings on nouns uh, even proper nouns like your name is doesn't
1: only seven
0: well i know probably probably <laughs> yeah, probably like finland it's got like 11 or 17 i think
1: it's like 30 something i think
0: yeah, yeah. but you know it's still weird when even the names of places change the names of people change okay it's only the ending but it's still like i can't remember you know so i struggle with that even after eight years but you know i get by i get by it's not too it's not too bad i like to think my my japanese my spoken japanese was probably better than my spoken czech but i actually made it to estonia um gosh must have been about five, six years ago. Do you remember Mark Hochstetler, little Mark?
1: Yes, yes.
0: His brother had moved there. He worked for the uh, U.S. State. What? Dep- <laughs> yeah, well, his brother worked for the U.S. State Department, and uh, Mark married a Japanese girl, Kana. Uh, yeah, I remember Kana. Uh, she
1: was very sweet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, they got two kids now. They got twins. Oh. No extra money though. <laughs> 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 but um they they flew to prague and we met up and then i took them back to uh the town i live in here and then we traveled to estonia the slow way so we went through poland uh through lithuania latvia and then on to oh, estonia yeah, it was that's, kind of cool.
1: that's a good drive so the last time i i think the last time I, I was, I think I was in Brno, actually. Brno is how you say it. Um, it's the only time I've been to the Czech Republic, I think. And Brilliant. then, yeah, and then I didn't go to Prague. I, have, I still have not been to Prague myself. But uh, that was when I left Estonia. So when I left Estonia, I did like a, a two-month road trip. Uh-huh. So I was moving from Estonia to Barcelona. That's
2: literally. right, I remember, yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: So I did a long-winded trip. So then I like, just like that trip you did backwards. So then like, we drove down and we went to Romania, Serbia. We did a little bit detour, Hung Hungary.
2: Yeah.
1: Like basically, just I hop through all the different countries, the Slavic yeah. countries. It's it's beautiful. So that part of the that part of Europe is like hidden secrets, basically. Like,
0: people... Yeah, I mean it is it is great. I mean when I, when I first thought about coming, I kind of had in my mind that it would be like you know really tall concrete (laughs) communist style blocks and wild dogs walking through the street and you know kind of like what you see sometimes on tv in in kind of forgotten towns or villages in romania or somewhere like that yeah but actually no i mean i live in a beautiful place I'm, i'm i'm really really very 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 lucky um you know uh it could be could be much much worse Sorry, I had to stop the. Uh, I forgot to put uh, Alexa on Do Not Disturb, and she started flashing. So
1: is Alexa talking? <laughs> Alexa wants to join the conversation. <laughs> yeah, so,
0: I tell you, yeah, it's, it, it, this technology is great, but sometimes it can be really annoying.
1: <laughs> My daughter has a at almost four year old. Uh, she. She says, Hey Google, I have a Google Home. And then she's like, Hey Google. But then, but I couldn't train Google to recognize her voice because you have to say a very specific script to recognize uh-huh. voice. But she can't read yet. <laughs> but, she, but sometimes, as I wonder, like, you know, Google's timer goes out, She said, like, Hey Google, stop. I Google to stop, actually. <laughs> so my daughter, at three and a half, knows how to talk to technology. Just, <laughs> um, yeah, says so the world we live in. <laughs>
0: And you mentioned uh, our time in Japan, um, I think actually, I was trying to remember, I don't think I, I was living there, I think it was when I came back for, I came back for like a six month um, hangout, I suppose, <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: um, but you know, you, you were there and, and uh, what, what, what was it? I mean, it was because uh, you'd been working before, it was a, as a year off, or what, why did you decide to go to this tiny town?
1: <laughs> did you live in you lived in takikawa yourself didn't you
0: yeah i lived there before you i, I went yeah, back, yeah. Uh, i went back about three uh i had three of your type i should say Pepe, my predecessors I yes I had three canadian yeah. in my time there and then you uh. were before, uh, but when i went to visit
1: so I think it must be about twenty-five years ago now. The story, <laughs> it's like twenty-five years ago, a Canadian couple, they got a working holiday visa, and yeah. then they went to the middle of nowhere in Hokkaido. Yeah. It really is the death center of the middle of nowhere, Hokkaido. Um, and um, the, because this, the mountains are lovely, the people are lovely, the hills are beautiful. And they, they stay there and then they taught English. Mm-hmm. A working holiday visa allows you to do that. And then they didn't want to leave their students behind. So then they passed down everything in their life, their house, their fridge, their car, their student base. Um, they just passed it down to the people they can find back in the days by writing a letter and they've been passed down for the 20th year when i got there so somebody and this is before internet i got a really big boom let's put it this way so it's like my friend's friend something yeah. something and there's an email that I got for order around and then so so i put down i, I spent two thousand canadian dollar mm-hmm. bought a life and moved to takikawa and you I totally had
0: a bought, you literally bought a life because you've got as you said everything in the flat and a car for for all you bought.
1: and, and all the students' base, because and it's students. like yeah. it's yeah. just you know you do like there it's sort of just you know it's like a freelance business in a way, and then yeah, it's crazy, and we and the visa was for one year, and I actually cleared out the whole like apartment when I was there because it's like I don't God knows how long it's been cleared out. I actually found like mementos from every single um, teacher from the 20 year before, uh-huh.
2: uh,
1: which, which I don't think there was ever a record. So I actually found all of them. And then I started a Facebook group where, so I know, I know the first couple to like the two couples after us. It's yeah. like, so there's a named record of everyone, uh-huh. um, which is quite cool. Oh, and uh, in uh, kindergarten, they have um, every year they take a picture. So then I have the picture of all of them as well. Um, it was quite cool, and um, that the I think it's two couples after us, uh, Claudia and Siv. Um, they they went there. They loved it so much. They somehow got. Um, what's his name now? I can't remember the guy who used to work at City Hall, who's now the mayor apparently. And um, yeah, <laughs> what's his name? Can't remember. Um, I remember his wife. I can't remember. Maeda-san. Is it san It's Maeda-san. Yeah yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So Maeda-san used to work at the City Hall, but I think he's now the mayor. But then, so they somehow got Maeda-san to um, sponsor them to go back. So they went back for one more year, uh-huh. or stay for one more year, and then they went back to Toronto. But then they loved it so much. They somehow figure out. I haven't talked to them about the detail, they, they they live there permanently now. Huh. They somehow somehow figure out how to move to Hakikawa permanently. So then now they live there permanently. So the 20, the Canadians stopped in a sense. That, because
2: yeah, I mean that's
1: twenty second that, year they they stayed.
0: That's that's cool, but also kind of sad, <laughs> isn't it? Because you know, <laughs> took away the experience for future people. But but then I could understand why they wanted to stay. I mean it was. It was, it was kind of fun, you know. It's
1: t- uh, a, and, and I think it's like, maybe people were starting to get um, uncomfortable in the sense is that because back in the days, it was a, a network effect to find the pet, like to find your, uh, the next teachers, but then it became an internet thing. Yeah. You can post it for anyone, so then it becomes less personal, I think. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's why. Um, either way, it's good. It's like so they're still there, so it's 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 a very good thing. And I think that year in Japan, and until this day, I would still say that is the best year of my life. It's a beautiful.
2: We well, met me, so you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the craziest thing is like because it was like so such a different life and in mm-hmm. such a small town, a town of like four fourteen thousand was in that and. Um, and it's really in the middle of nowhere and the winter is beautiful and low and it's like I, I i'm still in touch with most of the people i think i went to see do you mean matthew matthew did the,
2: the, uh, the jewish guy matthew, lives in new york yeah yeah exactly. yeah yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. so
1: last time i was in new york i think last year or something when i was in new york and i went to see him initially oh. you know so and I think the last time I was in San Francisco I went to see Misha and Uh Scott as well so so like when I pop into the towns because everybody will move back um I think the last time I went to Seattle I went to see Travis as well so Uh it's every time if I pop through any town I will Uh still make an effort to see them because it's it's, I think there's something special about it maybe no
0: I think definitely that that you're right I mean I when people ask me about Japan I, I like to think of it as it's not just another country. I mean, I look at the experience as almost being on another planet. I mean, <laughs> it, but in a good way. It it was so different to anything I knew. I mean, you could go to Tokyo and you could have, you know, God knows how much fun or whatever. But I think being somewhere, and that's kind of why I live in a small town here, because I think you learn, you get so much more out of it when you try and live somewhere outside of, you know, the main uh, the main, the main center or the main draw for foreigners. Um, you know, obviously my, my year there coincided with one of the more crazy, uh, Canadian volunteers that, uh, that uh, uh, went, went to Takikawa, but, um, I don't know really what happened to him. You know, we kept in touch for a little while afterwards and then he seems to have dropped Brad, off. wasn't it? No, Roland
1: oh
0: i've heard of that man before brad yeah
2: yeah
0: yeah. i mean they used to call him the captain because he was so (laughs) he would like grab everyone together and say right guys let's go skiing eh you know
1: Uh, is that what Canadians sound like (laughs) 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 good impression there (laughs) he
0: was like super athletic though he he swam like for Canada schools and universities rather. And I think he was like really close to being on the Canadian Olympic team and stuff. He was, oh, wow. yeah, 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 he was really cool, but he, he kind of split up with his partner while he was there. She moved to gosh, I hope they don't listen. Oh, they might do. Oh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. I will uh,
1: post then and tell them to listen. <laughs>
0: but, um, she, uh, she moved to Sunagawa uh, to be with one of the Canadian, uh, jet people, and then he stayed alone in uh, in the flat, your flat, um, and yeah, you kind of just. But I guess we both. I mean, I was single. Michael, of course, was single. Roland now was single. Why? Well, maybe you shouldn't have said his name, but it doesn't matter. Um, so we used to yeah just tear it up a bit, you know, in Sanraku gai the entertainment district of uh, of Takikawa. Yeah.
2: I mean, <laughs> the
1: entertainment time. district <laughs> you make it sound so glamorous it's just one street with lots of bars oh
0: yeah <laughs> you know it was home
2: <laughs> it
1: was good it was i i have very fond memories of that year and um i have very fond memories of the people of uh, of like the place i i i hope to go back i haven't been back to japan and um i think i want to go back and I go visit and every time you know, it's like in, in the part of the world you live in right now, sometimes the hills is that you see all the canola flowers.
2: Yeah. That,
0: yeah it, I see similarities all the time living yeah. here, I must say. Yeah. You know, I'd love to go back as well. Um, I just have to think when, you know, that's the, that's the thing. I mean, I always had a big plan because I'm a, I'm a big fan of rugby, and I had a plan to go back um, last year for the Rugby World Cup.
1: Yeah. Okay. That would have been good. I knew somebody who went. It
0: would have been, it would have been good. But of course, you know, my life, I mean, this was a plan 10 years, 15 before. Yeah. And my life took a different course. And I have to say, you know, one of the negatives of living somewhere like here is obviously, um, cost of living and stuff is, is, is low, but then so, so wages. So for me, I'd probably have to take out a bank loan to to finance, (laughs) to finance a holiday, uh, to Japan. But, you know, we'll see. And I definitely plan to go to go someday. Um, so Kathy, I just have really one last thing I'd like to ask you because I know it's Sunday and, and probably you want to get, uh, you know, you might have to cook lunch even for the family. I don't know. But um, You know, the- I'm
1: in lockdown, right? So, yeah, I'm so busy. I have to go to the market, <laughs> go to the club and go dancing later. No, <laughs> what do you think I do
2: all <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh, but we i always ask people i say always ask people you are like the third guest on this sixth or seventh episode of of this little show but um i do this thing where i like to have um you know well first off actually i mean you you drink tea do you
1: yeah, well, from the from, from Japanese days of my Japanese tea to now my British tea, I know how. I think I know how to make a British tea now.
0: Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Do you put the milk in first or second?
1: No, of course not. You can't do that.
0: Well, you see, I do.
1: What do you mean? I, I thought it's like a like like a British person will have a harder time through the milk in
0: first. No, it's it's one of those big debates in Britain. We fall into two camps: there's the milk in firsters and <laughs> the the milk in seconds. Really. But
1: then it, doesn't that make the water not as hot so then the tea wouldn't come out properly? Presumably? Well,
0: you know, there's whole, you know, there's probably volumes of scientific and <laughs> academic uh, literature based on this. Um, the re- one of the reasons why people started putting the milk in first is because back in the day, you know, 100, 100 years ago or more, um, they used to have this really fine bone china. Yeah so if you poured the hot water in uh it broke the china whereas the 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 milk was a kind of i don't know if lubricants the right word but it 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 stopped it stopped them cracking so i like to think that you know obviously the higher classes could afford bone china and this fine china so i like to think that putting in the milk first is a symbol of being a bit bit classier (laughs) But then other people will tell you it's the opposite. Yeah, only, only the really lower, lower members of society put the milk in first. I don't know. But in my family, we're a milk in first family.
2: Oh,
1: I personally would prefer the milk in first because I don't like my tea so hot. I want to be able to finish making it and drink it right away. Mm-hmm. And then the, I find that, uh, you know, I don't put as much hot water in there or as I'm basically pouring the hot water to be able to get to the right temperature instead of like getting to a color. But
2: yeah.
1: I'm a... Oh. I'm, <laughs> huh? Nile not important. milk after. It's such a big problem. It's... No way. Ask, ask the, ask the Cornishman. Ask the Cornishman if it's jam or is a um Claddagh cream yeah. food for. Well,
0: that's it, isn't it? It's Devon and Cornwall have this whole argument yeah. <laughs> over the cream teas. You're absolutely right. Yeah.
1: <laughs> See, it's like I overheard and I said like, that could not stand it. <laughs> so funny so
2: funny
1: yeah so, funny. Yeah, so I, I i think i know tea to a little degree
0: yes oh that's all right yeah <laughs> what about the um uh i was gonna say chinese i mean technically i suppose it is a chinese background although we say taiwanese these days but i mean the culture obviously uh is is one and the same right i mean taiwan to was a degree, yeah taiwan was part of china in the past but you know, obviously also tea tea drinkers. I mean, when you were back home with your mom and stuff, do you did you have like a lot of, you know, green tea and things like this or not really?
1: Not really, no. It's like, you know, those kind of Chinese tea you get in Chinese restaurants. Uh-huh. Like, I don't think people really have it at home. I, I have never seen it in my own house. Uh-huh. We don't have one. Of, we don't have those tea sets. <laughs> uh-huh. You know, I like the Japanese tea. You get the Japanese restaurant. Yeah. Yes, Japanese people drink it at their home. It's like, yeah. I'm like... You have to be like a proper old man to to drink it, I think.
2: Basically, okay.
1: I don't know. Like my dad goes to <laughs> my dad goes to like a tea thing, tea place. Sometimes I have that kind of tea. My dad likes it more, but yeah, no. Like I don't know anybody in my family who does, it, just you know, okay. sit around and make a tea ceremony. Basically. <laughs>
2: uh-huh.
0: yeah. yeah, I mean, I was in I was in China uh, about a year or so before I came here. I went to uh, Chengdu. Uh, and, uh, I loved it. I loved the, I love the tea houses, you know, I don't know what it is, but you know, just sitting out there, it's like, it's like going to Paris and sitting in a cafe.
2: Well,
1: yeah, exactly.
0: The same thing, you know, but uh, But that's, that's
1: something you go do, right. You know, you you don't just sit around your house and have a little bit of like, you know, it's something you go
0: do. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, I think.
0: (laughs) (laughs) So, um, yeah. Anyway, the thing that I wanted to ask is, we ask people uh, if you could have a cup of tea and a good chat with somebody living or dead, who would be your choice for a fantasy tea time guest?
1: Well, you asked, I think you, you, you gave me a, a sneak peek of that like, you were going to ask me this question. Yeah, but I like to you phrased, <laughs> <laughs> and Then you gave me, the question was different. You said a well-known person. Yes.
0: Because, Yes, does
1: it have to be a well-known person because well,
0: you know, um
1: i have if... I have answers. I have oh. a non well-known version and a well-known version.
0: Give us
2: both versions,
1: yeah, <laughs> so because it's in co- we're in quarantine and I'm feeling very mel- melancholy right now, um I also started like knitting because I was like feeling very um oh, I started like in November, but then I was like, I needed something to calm my mind. I had a very busy life and I needed something to calm my mind as I'm knitting. Um, so, um, my grandma used to knit um, all the sweater. I have like, a picture of me wearing funny sweaters and then she, I, I lived with her for a year. Uh, she's obviously not with us anymore. And, but then she passed away when, when I was quite young, I think like when I was like 13 or 14 or something. So, then I probably like, would have liked to have tea with her because then I can t- show her that I know how to knit now. And because I, I brought back a, a jumper that she made before and I was looking at it. I have like, I know how to knit. I knit like jumper for my daughter now. Mm. And then, but then I'm, like, I'm looking at this jumper that my grandma knitted. I'm like, I have no idea how this is constructed. <laughs> <laughs> I would have liked that, uh, you know, if she was around, you know, and I could have a chat with her. I think that would be nice.
0: Um, pointers and tips on how. Exactly.
1: Um, but then I th- for a well-known person who is probably alive, who is alive, now, probably, who is alive, um, there's an author, um, her name is Brennan Brown, mm-hmm. I don't know if you heard of her, she has a TED talk as well, it's very wonderful, um, she talks about vulnerability and, um, you know, sort of how, how do you actually empower yourself in a way to be vulnerable, etc. She has an interesting podcast that's going on in the time of crisis as well. So quite interesting topics, and um, she always seems quite normal, you know, like not, not too wordy. I, I follow her on Instagram, she has a like, video of her just talking. And um, I think that would be the, like, in my, in my life, I haven't met a lot of, um, I, I really wanted to have more role models, in mm-hmm. as a, a female role model, let's put it mm-hmm. this way. Mm-hmm. It's like how women actually become women in a sense it's like you know the becoming of the womanhood is always quite something that I, I dwell on a lot on and i think it's like oh that's one of my favorite authors i would really like to have tea with her
0: mm-hmm. yeah. Sounds good sounds good so you recommend uh, people can should check out her her books or
1: yeah brennan brown
0: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: who would you have tea with mark
0: Oh, gosh, you know, it's very tough, isn't it? That question is, it
1: Yeah, I know. Yes. Yeah. Well, I know.
0: That's the thing. I always I, I do this every day in my in my working life with students. I ask them questions uh, that I know are difficult, you know, like, what's your what's your favorite film? And then, of course, you know, they're like, oh, it's difficult. I've got about five or, or six, you know. Um, and yeah, obviously, it's the same with me if you turn it around. Uh several people definitely I mean I could go the same route as you definitely I would I would choose to um have tea with my own grandmother as well actually again I mean she was a fascinating lady very interesting uh, to talk to if I go the well-known route um I think I don't know hmm? yeah you stumped me you know you yeah, see I, 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 I gave yeah. you a night to think about it. I should. I should make <laughs> of people so they, if they try to catch me out, um, I could. I could go with that. But um, you know, I love history, so it would definitely be somebody um, historical. I think I would cho- just because I would be curious as to his mindset. I would go with someone like Henry VIII, King of England, Henry VIII, because. You know, it's six wives, and there's some dodgy stuff going on there. <laughs> uh, and perhaps, you know, he might, he might loosen up over a cup of tea and, and tell me really what, what Anne Boleyn did and whether or not he, he concocted the whole situation or whether he had people do it for him, you know, because, yeah, there's some weird stuff going on there. So I'd probably choose someone like Henry Eighth. Have a chat. He might want well- to...
1: Probably not for tea time, probably more for gin if you were to actually hear the, the That's dirt.
0: true maybe something stronger, maybe maybe a roasted swan or something. <laughs> yeah, I'd go for someone like him. It would be it would be quite it would be quite interesting, I think. Super. All right, so I just want to say thank you very much. Thank you so much for joining us. It was really, really lovely to speak to you and for taking the time out of your busy quarantine <laughs>
2: Sunday
0: to speak with us. And Perhaps, you know, once, once things are normal and you get, you know, work off the ground and, and you re- resume some of your travels again, perhaps you'll come back again, uh, you know, in, in a few months or whatever and, and talk to us again.
1: Yes. And um, I would love to come visit you in your small town. And if you come back to London, we should... Niall is very big into rugby as well.
0: Well, so, he's uh... a you know, they <laughs> like their rugby in the West Country. So. <laughs> but no, definitely. Yes. And, and of course, you're you're all welcome uh here as uh, any any time definitely um super so um yep yeah, thanks a lot uh stay cheers. safe stay in and uh save lives and all that stuff you know and, <laughs> you uh, too mike oh i'll, I'll nice seeing you yes take care then cheers bye Thanks Elvis for that contribution and thank you Kathy very much for taking the time out to speak with us. It was really nice to catch up and very interesting hearing what you had to say. Please everybody as per usual do take care of yourselves. Stay in, stay safe, stay healthy and we look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Tea Time with elvis please follow us on social media you can find us at uh, tw- on twitter at elvis tea time you can also find us uh, at elvis tea time as well on facebook and if you'd like to make any comments or have any suggestions about uh, what else we can do uh, with this podcast please of course email us at tea time with elvis at gmail.com. thank you very much everybody You take care now. All the best. Bye-bye.